As of July, the United States economy has experienced the longest period of sustained economic growth in our nation's history. Folks, that's a big deal. We should celebrate that. But as a result, you only have to turn on the news or the radio for five minutes to hear some talking head losing their mind because a supposed recession is apparently just around the corner. And, scarred by the economic crisis of 2008, business owners around the country are all too often taking part in the panic parade. From the Ramsey Network, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. I'm your host, Alex Judd, and here at Ramsey Solutions, we want to make something very, very clear. It's not a matter of if a recession will occur. It's a matter of when. And you know what? You can't control that. But as a business owner, there are several things you can control. And that's why today we wanted to introduce you to Mark Floyd. You see, Mark is the CFO that Dave Ramsey hired to steward the finances of our $200 million organization. And as such, he believes that responding to and even thriving through the next recession has very little to do with risk and chance and everything to do with preparation, diligence, and common sense. This is the longest economic expansion in the history of the United States. So we're at uh, 120 something months now, and I think the longest before that was in the 90s. Uh, so it's been a long time since a lot of business owners have been through a recession, if you will. So there's probably a lot that have never even encountered that. So that might be why there's a little freak out going on because they haven't experienced that up and down before. But those that are kind of the seasoned vets probably know that there's you know, just as many difficulties that are coming, there's probably just as many opportunities. And so mm. I think you got to look at it, you know, depending on what type of business you're in, might it affect you negatively? But there's a lot of businesses out there that can take advantage of a recession to some extent. Clearly, we don't want a great recession like we had back in 08, uh, 07, 08. Mm. So I wouldn't let it freak you out. And the better that you understand what's going on in your business, the less you should be freaked out. And the more you are asking questions and finding out what's going on in your world, reading about things, talking to other business owners, uh, what they've seen before. Maybe you've only been in business for five years and not for 15 years and you haven't experienced this before. Well, then go find somebody that has and talk through with them to find out, you know, what did you do last time? What, what did you see? What signs did you see? What did you, how did you start preparing? So that's just kind of in the, in the broad umbrella of some action that you ought to take. But clearly, the better that you are prepared stepping into a recession, the better you are, are equipped to handle that. And, and I spoke earlier uh, when I said advantages, if you're sitting on a pile of cash, what better time to jump in, in and maybe acquire something or do something if, if a competitor of yours or a different line of business that you were looking and going into, if they are all of a sudden are struggling because they didn't see this coming and they didn't prepare for it or uh, they were ill-equipped or they had too much debt and they had too much risk, all of a sudden you've got an opportunity in front of you that you can take advantage of. So you can get freaked out or you can kind of get pumped up about it. That sounds sick and <laughs> twisted, but uh, that's how you could approach it. But I think just in hearing you talk about that, it's almost like it's not if this recession is going to happen. It will happen eventually. So it's when and when it does happen, are you ready? Right. I mean, it, it's it's a when. It's not an if. We, we're not going to have a 100-year-long economic <laughs> expansion. So at some point in time, this ends. They've been saying that for probably four or five years now because this has been – going on and we keep having, you know, good employment report and all that sort of stuff, but it's coming. And so don't put your head in the sand. Don't think, you know, this, this is always how it's going to be. Get prepared. And so how you get prepared is to probably ought to approach it two different ways. If I'm a new business, I probably, if I went into business having these best case 
plans. Well, maybe I need to be thinking, what was my middle case plan? Mm -hmm. Maybe not worst case, but what's my middle case? And so how would I manage towards those numbers if I thought maybe I'm not going to have 10,000 in sales a month, I'm going to have 8,000 because of something going on. And again, maybe if you're in a Jimmy John's franchise, you, you may sell more sandwiches during during that time. But if you're in a high end <laughs> restaurant <laughs> business, then that's probably not going to be the case. So it's going to be individual business, it just like it's going to affect individuals differently as well. But just you know, getting prepared for that and knowing what's coming for your particular industry is important. And I think that that's kind of at the heart of this place, both for how we teach people to manage their personal finances, but then also how Dave and our company teaches businesses to be aware of and manage their finances. You hear the phrase all the time, know your numbers, know your numbers, know your numbers. In my time working with business owners, they know that it's important to know their numbers, but so often they don't know what it means to know their numbers. So I'd love you to just kind of walk us through when you as the CFO of Ramsey Solutions sit down with a small business owner, what are the things that you want them to know in order to feel confident about them being aware of the financial state of their business. Sure. I get that opportunity, you know, a couple of times a year when we bring in folks for our Entree Master Series or at Entree Summit. And so I immediately want to know, so what's their, what's their knowledge level in this area of their business? And so, I mean, it's simple, simple questions like, you know, what's your top line? And if they look at me like a deer in the headlight, then I go, oh, no, we need, we need to start with even, even more basic stuff. What do you sell and how much each day? But if they know what their top line revenue is for the year and they can go, hey, last year we did 500000 and we're on our way to 700000 this year, then I go, oh, okay. They understand what the past was and they, they're current enough so that they know what their kind of run rate is and where they're headed into the future. So first, you know, if, if they don't know the revenue, then, boy, we've got problems, right? That's right. Uh, okay, so just for the people that are listening to this, I would recommend – now's a great time to pull out a note. If you're driving, don't pull out a notepad, but go back and listen to this. The first one you said was annual top line revenue, essentially, and just awareness of where that lands year to year. Yeah, where it has been in the past and where it looks like things are going right now. Uh, because if I'm a new business and I start off with 1,000 in sales, but I'm doing 10,000 in sales this month, then my run rate is more like 120,000 annually because it's not – 20,000 total for the whole year, It's I'm, I'm now operating at a 120,000 level. Well, what does that mean? Well, what does that mean I can do? Can I hire somebody now? Uh, can I afford to do that? Hey, that recession might be coming. Do I want to do that? What, what would be a target that I would set where then I could go, if I get to 200,000, then I could afford somebody. It, you'd be adjusting your business plan all along going, here's what I know is coming, but I, I know my numbers. I know I know what's going on in my business to be able to make good decisions knowing that something like that could be coming. And so we talked annual top line, and then obviously that kind of feeds into understanding and knowing where you're landing bottom line based on your expenses and revenue. Right. That's where it gets a little trickier, right, with uh, small businesses in particular because if they understand their top line, okay, so then what do you make? And and then it all depends. Are they taking a salary out of the business or a large bonus at the end of the year? But I generally just want to say remove that from the equation. What would it make if you weren't paying yourself anything, what does this business make? Oh, it makes 200000 and you pull a $100,000 salary out, so it has a net income of 100000 That's great, but what it's really telling me, you as a small business owner are making $200,000 out of that business. So I, I want to understand, I want to make sure they understand the difference between what their what their accountant says that they make at the end of the year on their tax return versus what their true profit is coming out of that business. And these are kind of the fundamental things that really every business owner, whether numbers are a strength for them or not, they should have visibility and awareness of. Is that correct? 
I don't know how you would operate a business otherwise and why you're even in business. If uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know you probably went into it with a passion to do something, uh, to serve somebody or to do something uh, that where your calling is, but you better understand your numbers or you're going to not be in that business for very long. Uh, you're going to wake up and you will mismanage your business and you may have mismanaged with your team members and you may have led people down the path thinking they had a great spot to, to work. And lo and behold, I'm going out of business. And that's the last thing that you know, any of these business owners want to do. And I think that that kind of hits home the idea that, yes, there's tremendous opportunity in knowing your numbers, but especially for the basic things you're talking about right now, it's not just an opportunity. It's kind of a responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. The next one is really focusing on monthly run rate. And I believe that's really focusing on how much it costs to stay in business month over month. Is that correct? Right. And when I was talking about the run rate on the revenue, I mean, Mm -hmm. you really got three run rates that we could talk about. I was talking about the revenues earlier, but you also might want to know what your burn rate is. If you're losing money, you know, I've gone into business and I've set aside a couple hundred thousand dollars and I know it's going to take a while before we turn a profit. How much am I burning each month? So that's kind of your run rate on your expenses while you're trying to build up your revenues. And then also want to know maybe what am I making each month? What's my monthly profit tend to be? And that's kind of a run rate on that as well. So you kind of break down that P&L or profit loss statement in three different areas, revenues and expenses, and then ultimately your profit. So next we're looking at monthly cash flow, cash in, cash out of the business. Yeah. So I'm a CPA and and we tend to like to talk in kind of sophisticated terms, but <laughs> been here long enough and I've talked with enough small business owners that I know I, I need to take it out of the, you know, the classroom and take it into practical application. And so really ultimately it just comes down to what cash flow is coming out of your business. We can talk about accrual basis accounting or cash basis accounting or but but really what I'm concerned about is how much cash is your business generating each month and that's essentially your revenues minus your cash expenses that you're paying out and boom that's the cash flow at the end of the day if you've got a business that has a lot of receivables you're going to want to then add back if I collected some receivables this mm-hmm. month but if I had 10,000 in sales but 9,000 of it was to a client that didn't pay me yet I don't have that 9,000. So I, I need to convert that accounting type of net income into what is a true cash flow to understand where my problem areas are going to be. Is it next month because I've just sold a bunch of stuff that I didn't collect on? And so I've got a cash flow problem for next month now. So you, you want to ultimately get down to cash flow because that's. That's where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> uh, and it seems like, I mean, we hear that that phrase all the time from business owners. They come to us in a, a crisis situation and they describe it as I'm experiencing cash flow problems. And in reality, it seems like a lot of times they just didn't do the prep work necessary to have visibility into their cash flow and what they could expect in and out of the business. So if you hear that phrase cash flow problems, how do you respond to that phrase? I'd go back to where we started. I, I want to understand when they say that. Is it because they don't have a clue as to what's going on in their business? And it's, I don't know what, how much profit I'm making each month, but I know that I've got these bills stacking up and I've got three clients that haven't paid me yet. Well, that, that feels like a cash flow problem. Well, let's boil it down. And what are the numbers actually telling me? And what were your revenues this past month? But what were your cash revenues? What, what did you collect on? And I would just kind of removed all the noise from it and walk through actually, you know, last quarter's worth of financials and go, so what did you bring in the door? And what were the expenses that went out the door? And then what, what are you expecting in the next couple of months? Usually the cash flow problem is they're feeling that pressure for something into the future. So uh, so the cash flow 
problem is really just a symptom of a source. And it seems like sometimes that source is seasonality. Sometimes it's you're not collecting on receivables in, in a timely or punctual manner. Yeah. But it sounds like what you're saying is identify the source of that issue. And a lot of times they may have bitten off more than they can chew. They maybe took on a piece of business, a government piece of business, let's say, because that happens mm-hmm. a lot in, in construction business or whatever. And a municipality or, or a county or whatever doesn't pay somebody for nine months you know, or six months, whatever it might be. And meanwhile, their suppliers or their vendors, et cetera, are expecting payment. That's where the cash flow problem comes in. But they should have anticipated that. They knew that business that they were taking on. So you've got to understand your numbers before you step in and take another piece of business so that you know the risk that you are creating in your business. Is my business sustainable and capable of absorbing this new piece of business? I know it looks great. I'm going to make $100,000 in profit off of this project. Well, when am I going to get that profit? And so I, I need to understand that. And so if I don't understand where my business sits today, how can I take on that next piece of business and make a proper decision when it comes to that piece of business. It seems like it's just all preparedness and awareness, just being prepared and being aware of what's going on. So if you are taking notes, the first one was annual top line revenue, then bottom line profit or income, monthly run rate of your business, monthly cash flow, and then kind of an awareness and visibility into the balance sheet of your business is probably part of knowing your numbers really well. Right. On my balance sheet, I'm really concerned about four or five things. What's my cash balance? And is what the banks tell me is what I also show me on, on my it's kind of important that those things <laughs> on match my, up. On uh, my huh? general ledger, yeah. If they don't match up, at least I, I can reconcile. But uh, So you better stay on top of that. So you better know daily what you're I, – I sign in every morning to know what our cash balance is in our bank account. Really? Uh, yeah. You, you do here. I do. I do because uh, I just – I need to know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I wish uh, people could see your face getting a little bit red whenever you say, I need to know. I, I got to know. I mean, yeah. and so I don't know why every business owner wouldn't do that to know exactly where their business stands that day from a cash standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what my cash level is. I want to know what receivables I have out there. So I would look at an accounts receivable aging report that would tell me if I know that I generally collect my receivables within 60 days, I want to know what's out there close to 60 days that I might be collecting, you know, in, in the near future. So I'd want to know what my receivables are. I'd also want to know what my inventory balances were. That's kind of the the left side, the asset side of the balance sheet. Those are the three things that I'd really focus on. Then on the other side of things, I want to know what vendors, and if I could, I'd have an aging report of that too. We don't have an aging report on accounts payable vendors because we're paying them within a couple of weeks. Uh, we get an invoice in, we turn it around, and I'd encourage business owners out there to do the same thing because it creates mm-hmm. all sorts of uh, a goodwill with your vendors. And occasionally you might go, hey, we're going to be a little bit late. And they go, totally understand. You guys have always paid great. You know, you create that goodwill. So you as a business owner do have to balance those things from your receivables and from your payable standpoint. But that's that's the most important side over on the right side of the balance sheet on the liability side. And hopefully you don't have debt, but I know some of our <laughs> businesses out there do. So clearly you want to know what's my next principal payment or interest payment or things like that from that standpoint as well. Because you don't want to forget that. That's the last people that you want to tick off. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of important. But just in hearing you talk about this, I feel like there's probably two types of people listening to this podcast right now. There's probably the type of person that spends time in Excel because they think it's fun, right? And they're pumping their fists right now because you are officially their superhero, right? And they're they're rooting for everything you're saying right now, and they just can't wait to go uh, look at their balance sheet. Yeah, and they're going to make somebody else listen to this and go, <laughs> see, I've been telling you. I told you yeah. about it. And then there's the people that this right now has officially become their least favorite episode of the entire year. Please don't turn it off. There's going to be, there's hope. Please listen. Uh, Okay. And that actually hits home something really important. 
it's kind of this sinister cycle that we see that that for whatever reason, people feel like the things that you just listed, they know they are things they should know, but because they don't, they feel inadequate. And because they don't want to feel inadequate, they don't press in and figure those things out. They run from it right. and they just go focus on their passion or they focus on working with people, which are all great things. But I'd love for you to talk to those people that are feeling a little bit of a ping of inadequacy right now. How would you counsel that person? Sure. At first, I'd say a couple of things. There's no doubt that if you don't feel like this is an area of strength or I'm inadequate in this area, that you just tend to spend less time on it and it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then the less time you spend on it, the less you know about it and you wake up and you're you're scared. I mean, you don't know what's going on. So you got to break out of that cycle a little bit. The encouragement that I would offer is that I would say 80% of the time when I sit down with clients and we walk through this and I ask them questions, I build up their confidence because as they are able to answer the questions and go, yeah, when they can answer the revenue, yeah, I know what my revenue is. I know what my profit is. And they, they start naming some things and I just stop occasionally and go, see, you know it better than you were saying, you know, your numbers. So a lot of times people aren't giving themselves it, enough credit. They walk in the door and go, what, what am I supposed to know? Tell me what, you know, what questions am I supposed to be asking of my accountant? What am I supposed to be doing? And so I turn it around and start asking them questions. And after a little while, it becomes apparent and they almost a little light bulb goes on and their confidence factor goes up and they go, oh, I do know this stuff, don't I? I'm like, yeah, you can always get better, but you know this better than what you're giving yourself credit for. So in a lot of ways, they just have to be convinced that it's not that intimidating, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're better at it than they think they are. And particularly if they fully understand that if I don't know this, this is crucial in my business, that most of them understand that, but they've got to get past the hump of I'm inadequate in this area. And then I'll run into them a year later or whatever, and they, thank you, thank you. I, I, I'm now asking my accountant for this report, and I get this every day, and, and I just see the confidence grow in them. So and that, that's always fulfilling to see that. And I think there's something to be said about that they gain that confidence in the process of talking to someone. And in this case, they're talking to you, but it sounds like that's a pretty good action item for someone that feels inadequate is go talk to someone that this is a strength for them. You use the word discipline, and it seems like that's what this is. Uh, knowing your numbers is a discipline that can be learned, but then kind of the next step is establishing the rhythms so that it becomes maybe even more habit than discipline. So I know the first thing that you kind of recommend is just a weekly rhythm of looking at your numbers and having visibility into what's going on. Is that right? Well, I go back to the daily where I said, you know, each day I'm logging onto our bank account and, and seeing what's going on there. And I get a feel for deposits and checks that have cleared and going out the door. So that's kind of on that part of the business, but that's every day. And that's, that's just a quick check-in. Is that's that a quick right? check-in. And then we've got multiple businesses in which I get a daily report that here are the sales that occurred in those businesses each day. And usually it's that day, but then it's a cumulative of here's what's gone on in the month against budget compared to prior year. And so I don't wake up on October the 31st and go, oh, how did October turn out? I, <laughs> I, I've got a general idea what's going on on October 10th, October 20th, and I know where we're headed. And October 31st then is not a surprise for how October ended up. It should never be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would encourage business owners to stay on top of it. I mean, and sit down and go, what are my key metrics in my business that I want to know? Generally, there's going to be something related to sales, right? But it also could be something related to production or your lawn mowing business. How many lawns do I have to mow this week? And how many did we knock out today? And there's the rain coming, so we need to knock out more tomorrow. I mean, 
establish some metrics and each day spend time looking at those and reviewing those and then have somebody who's the single wringable neck in that area that goes, okay, hey, we're behind in that area. Let me ping them with an email and say, what happened yesterday in sales? And that way there's accountability on the further down the chain, if you well, will. And then you're not wearing it all on your shoulders exactly. either. We are all collectively responsible for these numbers. Right. So there's clearly a monthly rhythm from a getting financials produced, but there are a lot of in between rhythms that occur mm-hmm. to, to get you to that point and so that those financials then are not a surprise. So uh, there's a daily and a weekly. And if you're super busy and you are at the cash register every day, you might know what's going on. You know, you're ringing up sales and you know what's happening every day. And, and so you don't need to, you know, You've got a, just that. awareness just you because got awareness, you're in it. But, but each week you ought to go pull that together and go, okay, this week versus last year, what, how are we doing? And so then I have an idea of, oh, we've doubled sales. I need to think about, are we going to need to be adding people or do I need to buy more inventory? Hey, your small business has a lot of the same challenges that mega corporations do, but without a huge finance team to solve them. I mean, who has time to juggle different apps and programs to manage your cash flow? Well, that's where Found comes in. It's business banking plus easy-to-use financial tools, all to simplify small business finances. Found has all the features you want in a business bank account and none of the stuff you don't. No minimum balance, no opening deposit, and no hidden fees. You can sign up for Found in just minutes. It's easy to access on desktop or mobile, and you can customize your account to organize and manage your funds. Plus, you can create and send free invoices right from the app, so you can get paid quickly and easily. It's time to move on to better business banking, designed to help small business owners succeed. It's time for Found. Get started today for free at found.com slash entree. That's found.com slash entree. Found is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services are provided by Piermont Bank, member FDIC. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash Ramsey. That's NetSuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. I thought about you the other day because I was at a meeting of business owners and I think there were probably about 15 there. And the question was posed, how many of you are currently running your business on a monthly budget? So you're planning your expenses and revenue in the door. One person raised their hand. No way. 
out of 15. And I just thought to myself, Mark Floyd would be losing his mind right now. I know one of the things we teach here is regardless of industry, stage of business, status of your business, a budget is pretty important. Right. So that just makes me mad right there. <laughs> <laughs> Anger is your reaction. Okay, huh? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a deep breath here and, <laughs> and, uh, and say, okay, so that's totally unacceptable. One out of 15. And I realize that budgets are kind of, it's a small word, but it's a scary word for a lot of people. And it's uh, kind of troublesome to people, new businesses in a lot of cases. They don't have a clue as to what they because they don't have a track record. They haven't done it before. But I'd first challenge them to go, hey, when you decide you're going to go into this business, did you did you build a business plan that you thought I can do this much in sales and this much in profit in the first year? And you put together, hopefully, you did put together a business plan. Well, in essence, you created a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that bit, it may not have had a lot of detail. Uh, hopefully it did, but that could serve as your first budget if this is the first year you're in, in business. But let's just say that you're beyond the first year and you're one year in. What I do for budget? Well, look back and see what you did last January. And do you think you can improve upon that? Or, you know, oh, by 10%? Well, add 10% to that. And that's your January budget and do that for each month. It's not rocket science. It's using past historical information in front of you. And then knowing, okay, but today's environment, whether it's a recession that's coming or what expansion is still continuing, what then factors do I do to adjust those numbers to make a budget for this month? Well, hey, why, why, why do I want to do a budget? Well, because then you can measure at the end of the month that you achieve what you set out to do. It helps your staff understand where you're headed towards. I mean, if, and you can set out to do something. Like if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit every single time. So the budget gives you the ability to say, okay, here's where we're going to go. And then you can measure, do we succeed or do we fail yeah. with regard to where we're going? And in a lot of cases, it feels like I'm talking about the revenue side of things. But if you, you also are setting the budget on the expense side of things, how much did we spend last year on electricity or, or whatever it might be so that I, I generally know – those expenses. So then I can ultimately get to my profit. But if I set a budget for a hundred dollars in entertainment expenses, just like I would in my personal life, I want to only spend a hundred dollars or maybe even less. I, I don't want somebody to be feel like they're authorized to go overspend in some areas. So it's setting goals and it's also setting parameters on the expense side for guidelines of which your team or yourself can operate. So I am the personality type that this is not, we are so far out of the boundaries of my strength zone right now. It's not even funny, but it sounds like the rhythm that we should be applying ourselves to is at the end of every month, just look over the previous month P&L and out of that P&L kind of categorize and say, okay, based on what we spent and what we made this month, what could we plan to spend and make next month and then also compare that year over year. And then that kind of starts the rhythm of creating a budget. If you've never done a budget, that's where you ought to start right there and go, okay, this month when October wraps up, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to immediately prepare a budget for November. Okay. You now know how to budget. And then who's to say that you couldn't the next time around go do about three months in advance. I mean, you can wade into this pool if you want to and Get it done. I mean, it, there's no perfect way to do this. And it uh, sounds like it really is an educated guess. Is yeah. that fair to say? Uh, it, it's educated guess uh, based on the, the facts that I know at this time using past historical evidence and I feels going on in the business. We, we call it a conversation with your customer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's what a budget is. It's a conversation with, with the marketplace so that I feel like here's what's happening. And so this is what I'm going to budget. And then on the sell side, I can send my team after that to go try to achieve that. And on the expense side, I can say, here's how we manage our expenses so that we make sure that we stay within 
the constraints that we've set. And again, that's step one to, to do that. But hopefully by the time we roll around to the next year, you could go, I now have a real good feel. I had budgets prepared for each one of those months last year. Mm-hmm. And I have my actuals that I'm laying next to those. And I can now put a full year together. And I sitting here in the fourth quarter of 2019, I can now do a budget for all of 2020 because I've got budgets and actuals from the prior year that will tell me Here's generally where I hit and missed last year. And so that's what I think I can do in 2020. And it just, and it helps me forecast my cash flow. Mm-hmm. It helps me be ready to go. I know I've got some seasonality in my business. It will help me go, hey, it uh, looks like we're doing better. I'm going to have some cash. Might there be an opportunity to expand my business or to go buy something else? I mean, all those things or put money away because I feel like, hey, I, I'm seeing signs that things are slowing down or whatever. But if you, if you don't know what happened in the past, you can't predict what's happening in the future, and you and you can't plan. I mean, you you can't operate a business that way. Okay, so really, what this is is this is the guided path for making sure your business is in really good financial shape. Number one was know your numbers. The next thing we talked about was the daily, weekly, and monthly rhythms you should be focused on in creating a budget. And then the next thing that is kind of unique to this organization and the way we teach managing your business finances is that topic of retained earnings. So I'd love for you to explain just as simple as possible what do we mean when we use that phrase because it can be kind of intimidating, I think, to some. What do we mean, and then what? What is a good kind of framework to start doing that? Sure. Of course, retained earnings is a scary accounting word. It sounds <laughs> big, retained earnings. Huh? I don't know what that means. Basically, think of it as it's my my savings account. It's my emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, rainy day fund. Rainy day fund. However you want to look at it. In, in technical terms, it's essentially the earnings that you have retained, duh, <laughs> in the business. And so that I didn't pay out to myself, that I didn't pay out to the government in the form of taxes. It's net income that was left over in the business from a previous year, and then it accumulates year to year. People often worry, wait, I'm going to get taxed on that. Well, in the year in which you create that income, yeah, you're going to get taxed on it. Yeah, keep that that money then in, in that year in which it's created is going to get taxed. But whatever's left over that didn't get taxed is retained earnings. It's your now emergency fund. And then each year, if I have that some retained earnings in the next year, then I add those two together and that's still my retained earnings. Now I'm just, I'm accumulating it. I'm, I'm, you know, building it up over time, but that's kind of the, the boring accounting side of it. Just think of it is, uh, it's, it's my emergency fund. It's how much reserves I have sitting in my company to do whatever I want to do. If something pops up or if my business were to go backwards mm-hmm. and I need to fall back and all of a sudden a top customer of mine pulls out and, oh my gosh, there goes 30% of my revenues. Well, if I'm sitting on some retained earnings, i.e. emergency fund, I can withstand that. I can live through that time period. It's kind of like just being prepared for, again, not if crisis strikes, and this ties into recession as well, but when it happens, are you ready? Right. And if you're opening up a business and you had no capital no emergency fund set to the side, you are making a huge mistake because you're, you're, you're stepping out into something that you have never done before and you don't know how the first couple of months are going to turn out. Super so, risky. so you, it's super risky. So you, you better have some set aside. Well, if that's what you would do starting day one in a business, having some extra cash reserve sitting around, why wouldn't you do that 
month three or month eight or month 10. So that, that's the concept is you, you never know what's coming around the corner. So you need to have some emergency fund. So at least one month and then the further you can get and the further your business can afford it, you ought to be somewhere in the three to six months. I would highly recommend the, the six months uh, to use it in case of emergency or in case of opportunity. You've got to have something to fall back on because you don't know what's going to happen out there. And then related to that topic of risk too, this is why we take such a hard line as an organization on the topic of debt, right? We just built a $70 million building with cash because we believe that debt magnifies any risk you're already taking. Yeah. In my mind, you know, if you've got debt, you've increased your level of risk. I understand. I took the same finance courses that Dave took and understand the idea of leverage and all that sort of stuff. But that sounds great on paper. But when you apply it to your life and your business and your family and the families of those uh, people working for you, the less risk that you can take, the better from that standpoint, I'd rather you take the risk in stepping out into a, an area of, of growth that you can take for your business as opposed to the risk that you owe some banker some money. And then, you know, so if that equals risk, then debt-free equals some advantage where you can you can take advantage of opportunities when they come along and not be beholden to somebody else uh, from a debt standpoint. If people do have debt on the business right now, it's really important to create a plan for getting out of debt, obviously. That's, that's correct. I sit down with a lot of folks and they, and they've got it. They've got debt. They use it to get started. And then they come to one of our entree leadership and they, and they have this guilty of like, Oh my gosh, I'm, well, okay, I, I you didn't came know. to a Dave Ramsey event. <laughs> let's be very clear. And so I, okay, okay, calm down. It's all right. We're not, we're not going to shame you, but let's put together a plan to how quickly can we get out of this? Can, can you, instead of taking out, $150,000 a year out of your business for your compensation. What if you took out 100 and we applied that 50 to, to that debt and over a five year period, we could, and so put a plan together and it, but it tends to be a longer plan than on the personal side. Like you're saying on the debt snowball on the personal side, we're going to attack, 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 attack. And on the business side, I would say we want to attack, but let's do it systematically, mm-hmm. methodically, and let's put a plan together because you've got to operate your business in the meantime as well. You got to pay your people and you got to pay your vendors and, and that sort of thing. So it's the same approach, maybe just a little bit more methodical, if you will. Very good. Let's jump on to a topic. I would assume you get this question all the time because I know we get it in the coaching program all the time is people always ask, okay, should I be hiring someone to manage my finances for me or should is there ever an occasion where I outsource this or should I be doing all this? And how do I discern who does what when with regard to the finances how do you respond to that question? Yeah, that's uh, topic number two. Topic number one is tell me what I'm supposed to know about my financial <laughs> statements, and, and we walk through that part of it. And number two then is depending on where they are in their business growth or business cycle, the conversation eventually comes around to, hey, how do I get somebody like you in my business? And, and so then we start the conversation of the kind of various thresholds that I like to talk about from who you ought to have in your business. And it's almost easier to work backwards to say, yeah, of course, in a business like this that, that Dave runs – we need a CFO. We need a business partner sitting at the table with other board members who knows everything about the business from a number standpoint. I want others to know that stuff, but ultimately they're going to look to me when we're sitting in a room to go, so what did we do last year in, in that area? How much profit? What are the expenses, et cetera? So that large business on one extreme, it clearly needs a CFO. Down on the far end of the extreme, I mean, we're talking about, you know, as someone who's just starting out, if they're less than a million dollars in sales and they're basically trying to figure out how to pay themselves, they don't need to, they don't need to see a phone, they don't need a controller, but <laughs> they might have a bookkeeper or they eventually could have a bookkeeper, but they may just be doing those books themselves mm-hmm. at, at that point in time and uh, probably doing them just okay and maybe doing them out of a shoebox. And they, they take that shoebox to the CPA at the end of the year and say, here, tell me what, what do I owe? 
I would highly recommend not doing that. I'd stay on top of it much more timely than that. But those are the two extremes. In between, then we start talking about once you start getting to maybe north of a million dollars in revenues, maybe you've got an, an accountant slash ops manager, somebody who is kind of running. Yeah, in-house. Uh, sorry. Yes, in-house, maybe helping to run the business while you're out of house running your business, you know, uh, calling on customers or whatever it might be, but someone who's in there who can kind of open the mail and, and, and deposit the checks and put them into the right accounts, et cetera, on the, in your accounting package. And so they're kind of bookkeeper slash accountants, but maybe they're just an upgrade from just, you know, Susie Q, the bookkeeper. They hopefully have got some education in that area. And that's around that 1 million annual revenue yeah. mark. Yes. Yes. You start approaching, say, maybe 5 million in revenue. This tends to be where we say, well, I ought to start talking about a, a controller type. That's somebody who is a little more sophisticated, not just somebody who is doing the books, but they're working on budgets. Hey, th- this is where we introduce this concept of maybe the owner doesn't have to do the budgets. You have a controller type to prepare them, put them together. And then you, as the owner can sit down and go, Okay. Yeah. Thanks. That looks great, but let's make these tweaks and these changes. But someone can do that preliminary work for you. And clearly more timely financial statements, maybe some tax advice a little bit, uh, some planning, that sort of thing. And then once we start talking about above $10 million is when we start talking about, you need to be looking at a, probably a CFO type, more of a business partner, somebody that's not just doing the books, but somebody that speaks into the business. Those are kind of our delineations, if you will. Uh, One thing I want to go back and add is I've never talked to any business leader, and Dave Ramsey would be one of those, who didn't say, I waited too long to hire this role, whatever this role is, whether it was, you were above 10 million, it was the CFO, or between five and 10, it's the controller. No one ever regrets, you know, thinks that they hired too early. It's always, man, I wish I would have done this you know, two years ago, and one year you, ago, whatever. And if you make the right choice on the hire, it's probably a position that pays for itself really quickly. Yeah, and, and it helps maybe if, if your strength is not there, then you get to go work in your strength of the business more so. Uh, don't don't totally disconnect. I'm, I wasn't <laughs> giving you that uh, leeway, but uh, you, you can step into other areas. Uh, so I, my, my word of advice there is to not wait too long on that. And that's uh, that's not because this is sponsored by the American Association of Accountants or anything <laughs> like that. It's just because that is the right thing to do. No one has ever said, I, I did that too early. And just for the folks that are listening, if you are a business owner and you are needing help kind of organizing your finances and just having a bookkeeper just to get everything in order with regard to the reports that Mark is talking about. Uh, the service that we recommend for that is Belay. They do virtual bookkeeping for business owners and business leaders. And so if you are in that stage where you just need someone to organize your financial documents and your financial data for you so you can accurately read it and then provide it to your accountant or to your controller, what we're going to tell you to do is text the word bookkeeping to three. 31996 and you'll get more information on Belay's virtual bookkeeping service. That's the group that we recommend. So again, if you're looking for that service to be able to get all this stuff organized, that's the word bookkeeping, all one word, to 31996. And that's really just keeping things organized and just making sure everything's in order. Sure. Uh, And that's a great first step or where you don't have to have somebody in-house, but you can use that. So you can step out of that area and you're not spending too much time in that area and you're getting the proper financial data in front of you so you can make decisions, but you're not actually having to put it all together. And if you are outsourcing or hiring or working with any service, this is obviously one of the most sensitive things you could possibly hire for or outsource in your business. What are the things that you're looking for that you would advise business owners to look for in the person they're interviewing to be able to do this work? Sure. First and foremost, and this is probably the hardest one to discern is this person must be of the highest integrity. 
you are trusting your livelihood to them and numbers that you likely don't care for other people to know and who are intimately involved with the comings and goings of money in and out of your business, you have to place a tremendous amount of trust in them. And so how do you not place trust in somebody unless you know that they're of highest integrity? So what I would recommend is clearly if you're hiring that person, you're getting all sorts of references and then don't just follow up on the references that they give you. Follow up on the references of the ref, you know, the people that were referring. Take it a step further. Don't don't shortcut this one. Don't go. I, I in that interview and and I yeah I met them. It seemed like a really nice guy, upstanding guy. I go to church. He's a whatever. Check into them from an integrity standpoint because that is you you can make some bad decisions in this area and and lose a lot of money in your business if you make the wrong decision. So integrity is the first thing that I would look for. You probably want to hire the type of person that isn't really annoyed if you ask them a question, right? Like kind of that servant's heart or heart of a teacher. Yeah, I look at our accounting organization as we're a service organization, so. Anybody in the organization that asks for anything, I want us to be able to try to super serve them. That's mainly internal. We, we don't deal with external customers that much. So the heart of a teacher or the servant's heart or all the above is what we'd look for because, A, you don't want someone to be intimidated and not be able to come to this person, this group or whatever it might be to ask questions because they're, they're going to be condescending, demeaning, whatever it might be. So you need to make sure that that person is a teacher and a servant. Those two skills will go a long ways. And clearly on top of if they're controller, they need to be a CPA. If the CFO, you probably want them to be a CPA as well, maybe an MBA, not required, but they need to have the right level of education and skill set to go along with all that. But man, I'm, I'm going to boil it back down to integrity and, and, and teacher and servant. Mm. The things that you're talking about today, they could legitimately save someone's business and certainly prepare them for an impending recession, not if, but when it happens. If you sit down in one of the master series mentorship sessions that you do with business owners and someone comes to you and just says, Mark, I'm just, I'm just not a numbers person. Like this is not my strong suit and they're overwhelmed. What do you tell that person? I would find out, do they have somebody on their team first that can help them, that they're particularly overwhelmed? I want them to find somebody else who's gone down the same road because they're not alone in this. They're not the first person to feel overwhelmed from a number standpoint. So do they need to find somebody in their mastermind group that says, hey, yeah, I was there. <laughs> I was at point A and now I'm at point Z because I tried to learn these skills and, and here are the steps that I've taken. So you're not alone and there are a lot of others out there like that. And I go back to what we talked about earlier is you're probably selling yourself short in the first place that you probably understand this better than you think. It's not rocket science. I would draw out of them what they think they know, and then they would quickly realize that they, they know more than what they thought. And then I would encourage them to, depend on the size of business, then step out and get help. I mean, get help that you bring in in-house if that's not your skill set, but you're big enough business that you can afford it, go do it. So it all depends on where they are along the spectrum and, and what their size of business. But basically, they need more confidence in this area. And if you don't have it, it's like, go get it somehow. <laughs> find it. Yeah, find it. Uh, and, and, and the confidence probably is going to come more from the discipline and the, the continuity, the rhythm that you're going to build up. And the more you do that, the more, the more frequency you see two sets of numbers together, the more you're going to go, oh, I, I now see what those numbers are saying to me. Just you, you got to get into it. Uh, if we could all sit down with you for a cup of coffee, what's the final word of encouragement you would give? I would say that, uh, again, if you think you can succeed in this business and the business that you're in and not know the numbers, you're fooling yourself. So that doesn't sound like encouragement, does it? <laughs> I was say, man, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. Okay. 
<laughs> so my encouragement then is you got to go do it. If you really want to succeed in this, Dave Ramsey, we walk through the financials every month. I mean, he's far enough removed from some stuff that he's not worried about the day to day, but we're going to walk through the financials every single month, every week before payables go out the door. He's reviewing that payable list. So if he's doing that and he's got that business acumen and that background, then you need to be doing it because you've got to understand what's going on in your business. So I guess my word of encouragement is you're better at it than you think, but you absolutely have to do it if you want to succeed in what you're doing. Well, Mark, thanks so much for your time. I know we are all better for it. So thank you. Thanks, Alex. Hey, I truly believe that the information and the action items that Mark gave you in that conversation could be the thing that saves your business or maybe even prepares you to thrive in the next season of business. So I'm going to put on Coach Alex hat for a second and challenge you, take action on these things. And if you're someone that's in a position where you're you're afraid or you're scared or you're intimidated by this topic, don't let that be the reason why you don't do it. Just find someone that this is in their sweet spot that this is a strength for them and get their help. Don't be so prideful that you can't ask for help. And hey, our team wanted to do our part. So we created a resource for you to make sure you never get caught in a spot where you don't know your numbers. The guide that we created for you and for your team is the six financial reports that can save your company. It corresponds with a lot of what Mark said in our conversation and really details the things that you should be looking at routinely to make sure that your organization is in a good spot financially. So if you want to get this free guide that our team created for the podcast audience, text REPORTS to 33444. Again, that's REPORTS to 33444, or you can click the link that's in the show notes. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Entree Leadership Podcast. If you did, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. For a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card, you can review this episode by clicking the link that's in the show notes. And be sure to follow us on social media at Entree Leadership. This episode was produced by Tim Hull, and it was edited and mixed by Will Rudder. I'm Alex Judd, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like The Chris Hogan Show. I am so excited to be able to talk to you all week in and week out. We're going to talk about your money, your life, your dreams, and your goals. You know why? Because I'm your coach. Whether we're talking about building wealth, paying off your home early, investing, paying for college, and guess what? How to become an everyday millionaire. We're going to focus on taking your calls because you matter to me. Together, we can do this. This is The Chris Hogan Show. To hear full episodes, just search Chris Hogan wherever you listen to podcasts or go to chrishogan360.com.